Hi everyone, my name is David Gillespie and you are listening to High Shelf Gaming Podcast. This is a weekly podcast about role-playing games and board games and gaming conventions. Every week I'm joined by my co-host Rich Wisneski and we bring on guests to talk about the games that they love, the conventions they're playing them at, all that good stuff. If this is up your alley, please feel free to download, listen, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And you can always find us on Twitter at High Shelf Gaming or join us on our Facebook group, High Shelf Gaming Podcast. It's a closed group. Click to join though and we're friendly to everybody and uh, you'll get to hang out and talk games with us all you like. Hey everyone, David Gillespie again here with High Shelf Gaming. As always, I am joined by my co-host, and I can't believe I have to say all this stuff contractually. He is the um, co-host with the most. He is a strapping, healthy man who can fell a tree with a single swing. And Rich, do I really have to say this next part? Wee, wee, wee. Oh god. His Canadian tuxedo is lit and on fleek, and I wish I had one for myself. Thank you, Rich. Rich Bonjour, Davey. <laughs> this is Ricardo from Paris, Paris, de Las Vegas. You are you are remote today, yeah? I am remote. I am on the road. High Shelf Gaming is in Vegas, my friend. So I uh, got my Canadian tuxedo laid out tonight so I can run down to the crab stable and just, you know, make a myth, dude. <laughs> With your bejazzled uh, Canadian tuxedo? Yes. Good stuff. And uh, today we have a returning guest and a new guest. So returning to us again, uh, I think this is your third or fourth episode. You're becoming kind of a usual suspect here at High Shelf Gaming. Uh, Ryan, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. I uh, really Yay. appreciate it. Yeah, 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 definitely. And joining us today for the first time, uh, Stephen. Welcome, welcome to High Shelf Gaming. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you guys inviting me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Stephen, would you give the audience kind of sense of what kind of games you like to play? What kind of gamer are you? Because we've got a lot, of, a lot of different kinds, you know, tabletop and role play and all kinds of other stuff. So just kind of give us a quick sense of what your gaming well, I is. Well, by the way, I know what Stephen's number one favorite game is. <laughs> Take it away, Stephen. That's right. I've played uh, Doctor Who at Alcon with Rich. So. How weird is Yay! that? You guys randomly, right? You randomly met at this table. You guys didn't know each other before then. No, huh? Uh, yeah. So I've been going to Alcon for like eight years or 10 years or something like that. I live in Austin, Texas, and Alcon is in Houston. So it's uh, nearby. And I love cons. I do four to six at a year or something like that. Alcon is great because it has a great variety of games and a lot of different games that I'll never get to play anywhere else. And Doctor Who is one of those. So it was great. That's awesome. So my my gaming background is, you know, like most people, I started gaming in the early 80s, played a lot of D&D back then. I had my role-playing Dark Ages during college and that kind of stuff. I got started back whenever third edition came out. And actually, I was in a second edition game in Austin at the time. I played third and fourth. And then I started playing a lot of story games, which are uh, also referred to as damn dirty hippie games. <laughs> um, <laughs> like like diceless narrative games? Is that what you're talking about? Um, they are story based. They aren't necessarily diceless. I've played a few of them, but m most of them have dice the used dice. So I play a lot of games like Apocalypse World and Dungeon World. Fiasco is another well-known one. Things that the story is more important than mimicking the world or the mechanics. Nice. Um, nice. 
and I, I got very lucky. I played with an online group that started out of Houston, and now they they must uh, the name of the group is the Gauntlet. I think they have six podcasts, and they have a uh, hundred games a, a month that fill up very quickly that they run online. It's it's a very welcoming and diverse group. It's lots of fun. Oh, that's phenomenal. That's really cool. I'll have to check it out. Very cool. I also play a lot of board games. So I just got back about a week ago from uh, BGG Spring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Board Game Geek Con. Uh, yeah. Ryan and Rich were both on talking about that. Uh, I think the fall con, so not the spring. Um, board Game Geek is awesome. It's very, very cool. Yeah. Well, definitely. I, I'm so glad that you one found us and wanted to come on and talk to us today and that you have so many like we all have so many like commingling interests here between Gen Con and True Dungeon and other cons like Alcon and BGG and just the games we're all playing. There's so much simpatico happening here. I'm really I'm really jazzed. Like this is going to be a fun one. So, Stephen, why don't you introduce for the audience? What are we talking about today? So today, I think we're going to be talking about Lego games. This is, there's a, a Lego role-playing game that it turns out that both Ryan and I have run before and played before. Yeah. I'm um, called Brick Quest. It's a role-playing game that is basically the character sheets, the dice, the dungeon, everything's made out of Lego. So um, cool. Can't wait. There's, <laughs> there's other things we can talk about as well. There's a Lego miniatures game called Mobile Frame Zero. Okay. This one I definitely want to talk about because... Uh-huh. I describe it real quick because I'm I'm on board. Yeah. So uh, Mobile Frame Zero is a game where you build mechs out of Lego. They're usually about two inches tall or so. You play in a Lego environment where you have cover and, you know, maybe half of a building or something like that. Yes. And then there are you roll dice. You then take damage and your damage is becomes part of your mech that gets separated take it yes. off oh, so gosh, my high this. range missiles get hit i take them off i lose those dice i can't play with them anymore oh my gosh yeah I, okay so we're definitely going to talk about those two we might have some time to talk about a third game so let's definitely start with those two like let's spend some time on brick quest and then i gotta talk about mechs because I'm, I'm a i'm a huge mech head and i love it so we're gonna have to talk about that game and we might run out of time because <laughs> i'll have yeah. so many questions about the mech fighting game so ryan you've run brick quest before can you kind of describe to people what is brick quest how do you get into it so lego gaming do do you do you have to buy special Legos or can you use existing Legos? Kind of kind of set the stage for everybody. How do you get into BrickQuest? BrickQuest is a board game, fantasy, role-playing kind of thing, similar to like the Dungeons & Dragons role-playing games, those, those adventure board games. Hero Quest is a real big, you know, the, the granddaddy of them all that everybody kind of has spiraled off of. So it's kind of similar in that aspect. So with your character sheets, you got what you're going, you got your little minifigs. For your heroes, other minifigs for the monsters, and you got rooms. Real quick, for the people uninitiated, what is a minifig? Uh, The minifig is like the little, uh, uh, the little guy, like Emmett from the Lego uh, movies. He's a minifig. Yeah, uh, and Lego Lego Movie Two was just coming out, right? I mean, or has just been? uh, There's a trailer for it out right now. Yeah, I just saw the trailer tonight. It looks pretty sweet. So uh, yeah, the figs themselves are actually called mini figs. Uh, There's actually larger figs that are called maxi figs, and all kinds of varies and various in the middle but that's a that's a digress but yeah you get the little minifigs and you get like little skeletons and dwarves and dragons and 
they've created over the years all kinds of sets with all these guys in it and you use them so our creation was much to my wife's dismay a little bit wife kind of pilfered some things out of her harry potter sets (laughs) (laughs) then a really good dwarf series it had quite a bit my old kingdom uh night of the rings i've got the whole base set of that i got so many Rohan and horses and all this other stuff. That would be great stuff to use. Yeah, they're, they're perfect. They're, they're great for their guys. They're great for what's going on. Uh, so if you have sets, you can go buy them. Uh, if you need specific pieces, there's a site out there called Bricklink. You can go through and order specific types of pieces. They're going to be a little more expensive than buying a set and, price, and pulling it apart yourself, but then you're not going to be left with pieces you're not going to use. Sure. Unless you want to just play with Lego and want to have a lot of pieces. And just as a warning, you should watch out. The Some of this stuff is very expensive, and you have to watch out for shipping because a lot of it comes from Europe. Yes. Um, but, like, the Harry Potter sets are going to be very expensive mm. because they're out of print now. Um, but the good news is, is that the new Fantastic Beasts movie is coming out, and there's going to be a number of Harry Potter sets coming out that will have good things in it, too. That's cool. So this is this almost sounds like a game where if you're a Lego fan – You've already got a bunch of Legos and then you're like, well, what else can I do with these other than build out the sets? Brick quest is the answer to that. You can, you can basically layer a game on your stuff, right? Okay. I got one to add into that too. So answer that piece. And then do Lego purists hate what you guys do about breaking up sets and putting other pieces together? So Ryan, do you have much of an experience with uh, lugs and AFOLs and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I, uh, I haven't really been active with the local uh, AFOL, and uh, AFOL is adult fan of LEGO. Thank so you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. I was like, what are we into? Okay, so... So, uh, LEGO people love acronyms, yes. so a LUG is a LEGO users group. Okay, all right. C- continue, Ryan. <laughs> if you're using all LEGO and just building stuff, they really want to create things. There's a lot of conventions, or you're they're building their own, um, I call them mocks, it's uh, my own creation, yep. And, uh, More acronyms. Yeah, oh, definitely. We're, they're, it's like they're our engineers and we're paired. But yeah, they're like, here, build. This is what I've created and let's show it off. So if you're creating something really neat, they're like, oh, wow, that's pretty sweet. And um, they're just comparing different, you know, groups together. And that aspect is really, really neat. The pick it up that the, the thing that's important to the Lego purists is that you're using 100% Lego. I can talk a little bit about that. So my background is, I guess about seven years ago, I joined a Lego users group because there was a local Lego convention here in Texas. That's and awesome. it moves site every year. So it's been in Austin twice. It's been in Houston twice. This year it's in San Antonio. And it usually happens around the 4th of July. So I've been running BrookQuest there for the past few years and running games. And you're exactly right. In general, most Lego purists dislike non-Lego product. That's because it's almost always of inferior quality. The Lego company itself has a huge tolerance that, you know, they they make sure that their stuff fits very well. It's intended to work for generations. So you, your kids can use your Lego and that kind of stuff. More recently, there's some good knockoffs that are coming out of uh, China. Mm. And when I say knockoffs, they are there's good um, quality that comes out. But unfortunately, what they're doing is they are um, stealing IP. Oh, so yeah. take a Lego set that will reverse engineer it. Sometimes you can even find that they've taken the existing Lego parts and molded around them to make their own molds. Ooh. Um, and they sell them at cut rate prices. And that's where you start to get fans all upset about 
what's going on. In fact, most fans are happy enough. So I have a lot of aftermarket things like swords, like scimitars and things like that. Oh, that will fit into the little Lego minifigure hands. And I have I think I have a centaur body that you can put the top half of a person on. Yes. Centaur yes. And things like that, that those are third party things that haven't been made before that there are other companies like, uh, let's see. Is it like Brick Arms? That's, yes. Brick Arms is one. OK, so the idea I'm getting the sense that there are some pieces that Lego hasn't made and probably won't make like a centaur. They're not going to make a centaur unless there's some big movie property that has a centaur in it and then they'll make one. So until then, there is a limited third third party market that will create things for you. And that gets kind of a maybe a yellow flag pass. Is that is that accurate that it's like it shouldn't go into a regular set? But if you're using it as part of this game, everybody kind of gets it that you have to have. Yeah. So that's one of the things that actually happens. Uh, Some people are purists and they say, I only use Lego. And sometimes they even use some of the packaging, some of the sticker sheets, the plastic from it or the plastic wrapping. Um, And they adhere to a very strict, I only use Lego. Other people are more open. Um, I know a guy who's 3D printed some of his gears um, because Lego doesn't make that kind of gear, so he can do 3D printed stuff from Shapeways and that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. In general, there's a fine line. In general, the only thing that people, that fans object to are the uh, knockoff brands and the Chinese imports. Yeah, the blatant and ripoff. And it sounds stuff. like the, yeah. the arms manufacturers, that they're really creating their own piece not really sitting down with a molding kit yeah. and molding what other people have done, i.e. the Lego IP. They're, They're sitting down and building their own miniature weapons. Is that right? That's right. And in, in general, um, the Lego company will only make things that are financially viable and or um, they will not make things that are related to warfare in general. Oh. So they don't make tanks. They don't make a lot of like fighter jets. So there's third parties that will make that kind of stuff. They will make. Dude, homeboy's on here with a gun and a bayonet. You're right. I've never seen a Lego set with a gun and a bayonet so you can charge people. So what Um, they will do is is they they will make guns like for the Old West. And I've started to see, I think they made a Sopwith Camel a few years ago, which is a World War One plane. Yeah. I believe that they're, they're a very peaceful company, and they said that what they will do is they will only make, you know, instruments of war like a plane or something like that once the generation that experienced that has passed away. Oh, yeah. wow. The, yeah. the pirate sets have old muskets and cannons. So they have some some cans are actually really neat. You can put a little Lego piece in it, pull the thing back, and it'll shoot it. So that's the one I had when I was a kid. Those are the cannons I've got in my in my garage. So okay, yeah, all right, good. And and the same thing with Star Wars and other space related things. They'll have a spaceship laser gun in there, and that's fine. Yeah. But in general, they're not going to have the World War II tank set, right? Or the Vietnam you know, jungle set. Wow. Yeah. So they're, they're being as sensitive as they can to yes. the, the experiences that that's really cool. Good on them. Good on them. Yep. So back to brick quest, brick quest is a, uh, role-playing game, just like D and D you play with Lego dungeons 
you play with your character sheet is made out of Lego. It's like so describe uh, that because you yeah. know my character sheet in D anD D is a piece of paper that I take notes on. But how 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 can you have a Lego character sheet? So your character sheet is um, I think it's something like thirty two studs by eight studs, and what that means is it's probably around eight inches by. Th- four inches or three inches something like that and when you're saying studs that's the little that's the little pips that's the little that's bumps. The little pips okay mm-hmm. good and you have different rows of single one by one pip studs oh okay and those will relate to your list of hit points uh, so okay. if you lose hit points you'll take them off same thing with mana or spell points yep. and then your initiative modifier your movement all that kind of stuff is also related in one by one studs Got it. Okay, so your what makes up your character is represented by by little one by one bricks sitting on a on a sheet, yes, on a Lego sheet basically. Uh-huh. And yep. as you gain hit points, lose hit points, you're adding and removing studs appropriately, and saying, "Okay, I'm I'm fighting fit. I'm ready to keep going. I can still cast spells." Or no, I'm out of mana. I, I can't. Somebody yep. else needs to fight now because I'm done. Yep. That's exactly right. Off to the right-hand side of the character sheet is a carrying capacity. So it's a little four-stud by four-stud box. And whatever you can fit inside that box is your loot. If you can't fit it inside that, you can't carry it. Yes. Oh, that's great. That's great. What a great way to handle encumbrance. I love that. It's fantastic. People are like, oh, I want to take the table. Does it fit in your box? No. Can't take it. We're done here. <laughs> you can I did. maybe take wow. one leg of the table. You can break that off and put it in your bag. At some point, I did uh, have put in an adventure a bag of holding, and I built a big Lego box that was like, you know, five inches by five inches. So they could then take the table and put it inside that big giant box. Okay, now want. you're inspiring me to just do this. Because one of the things I hate in D&D is I'll hand them like the small bag of holding. And before you know it, there's an elephant in there. Like, like players, it's only a five by five box. They're like, oh, really? Let me show you how much I can cram into a five. And now it's like, wait, wait, wait. If I have this little Lego box sitting off to the side, like, okay, here's a Lego representation of the sword you just looted. Can you fit it in your little Lego bag of holding? No, then you can't keep it. (laughs) That's right. Damn. Thanks, guys. My game's ruined. No more elephants in my bag of holding. (laughs) I love that. That That's so smart. That is so cool. We should mention BrickQuest was made by Peter Gunther. And that's how I first found out about it. I was at Gen Con and he was running it. That is cool. I think, Ryan, you played with him as well. I play with them as well. That's how I started um, uh, some things that are neat. If anyone's familiar with Diablo, the potions are pretty similar to Diablo. Red potions are hit points. Blue potions are spell points. And then I always, there was a couple others that he defined. And then I used other colors as well for whatever I needed at the time. Like me, I've actually modified BrickQuest. Uh, the combat in BrickQuest uh, by Peter is, hey, you get so many attack dice to roll. You roll that many D6s. You get so many defense dice to roll. We roll that many, and if your attack dice exceeds the defense dice, you take that many points of damage and pop off that many little things. I find that that as the people were leveling up and getting more and more stuff, they're, you know, hey, let's roll six dice, and the other guy's rolling five, and it can be very swingy. Oh, yeah. Like, all sixes, a guy rolled fives. I converted to more of a wound system, like uh, Super Dungeon Explorer. So I have different types of dice that they use the Lego D6s and I popped on my own faces that I wanted. Uh-oh. So there's like, I have a red set of dice, a blue set and a green set. So like, as you level up, you're like, oh, I get 
a blue set, it might have more attack values. And I get the red one has less, has more blanks. And the green might go, oh, these ones now have some healing thrown in there too, so you can have special faces on them. And you're rolling those. So if you exceed the attack and they roll the defense, if you exceed, you take one wound instead of like 8 million hit points. So no one just dies from one hit. Right. And it sounds like Brick Quest Peter's game is very modular in that way. You can say, you know what, this one piece I do need to change because it doesn't fit for my game. Correct. Yeah. The great thing about Lego in general is here's what you have. It, they're homebrew systems. Tweak it as you need to. You know what? I, you know, the magic of the Internet. I found out, the, the, you know, Lego started this around 2009, making their games. And Creationary was one that we had and played as a family, and it was lots of fun. When did Brick Quest kind of happen? And maybe my next question to that is, when did – I can't imagine people when – when was it first documented – that someone said, I'm creating or recreating a game in Lego. Because obviously, people have been playing games with Legos and making games of their Legos since the beginning of Lego. But when was like the first, you know, um, real one put together and documented somewhere? So I hit the Brick, uh, Brick Quest website that Peter runs, yeah. and its earliest date is 2003. Wow. That's good. So he was um, at least five years before Lego even put anything out in production. That's exactly right. And if you if you look through the rules, there's a like a you know a number of pages that are like monster manual kind of stuff about here's some monsters you can use. Yes, and they are very dated. So you're you aren't going to see any Harry Potter ghosts or anything like that in there. You're going to see old fairy pixies or you know very monochromatic kind of. Uh, bears or something like that the things that were available at the time that's 2003 yeah sure that makes sense yeah another game this is a reference uh that i've looked at one called brick wars it's like 40k out of lego uh there's a rule Mm. set based in 2001 okay but but still like that was all homebrew stuff way before lego quote-unquote sanctioned anything and made anything official there were already these creative groups making really interesting games based on the bricks that were available at the time yeah. Oh, definitely. And dear listener, if someone knows, oh, hey, here's a link to this website of the, you know, first kind of, I mean, obviously in the 80s, people had to be doing this and documenting it. So I'm just kind of curious if anybody knows, let us know. Yeah, something that like kind of predates a uh, popular Internet kind of situation. Yeah. And folks, we will definitely link to BrickQuest. And what was the one you just said, Ryan? Uh, Brick Wars. We'll definitely link to all these in the show notes so that folks, you from home can check these out. The Heroica sets, I was very excited where they came out. It's a fantasy role-playing game that Lego came out with. And instead of using minifigs, which are the two-inch tall or so Lego people, they use what's called microfigs, which are about maybe three-quarters of an inch tall. Hmm. And they um, represent a person, but they're not as configurable. And whenever I saw that, I realized, so, for, you know, I, I, I never really thought I could build a dungeon out of Lego. I didn't know that I had enough. Uh, you know, I might be able to build a room or two, but Peter was building very fantastic creations. With lots of bricks. Lots of bricks, yeah. right? Oh, well, yeah. and a lot of Lego people are very creative. So, I mean, I saw some amazing, he built a, I, I remember he built a uh, vending machine that you get little Lego gold. And you would turn in your Lego gold, and he had a little vending machine for mana and uh, spell point potions. Oh my god, that's so cool. Yeah. 
I played in one of Ryan's games and we found a secret room and in the secret room was a vending machine. And we were like, this is crazy. So we turned in some of our gold and I'm pretty sure I got screwed out of that deal. But the other people we played with had a good time. (laughs) Ryan always goes after you. But whenever the so whenever the Heroica sets came out, I realized there was a little bit of discussion on the forums at that point about maybe you could play Brick Quest and Heroica, you know, in a very small format. And the thing that you don't get from that is you don't get the configura- configurability of the minifigs. You don't get to put the armor and the weapon and the different hair and all that kind of stuff and personalize it. But what I ended up doing for my first adventures was everyone played at the Heroica scale until something significant came up like um we just hit a room in the dungeon and hit, that's where something interest interesting is going to happen and i would pull out that room oh. and then we would pop up to the minifig scale where we could actually experience what the actual can uh the lego components of what what all was going on would be like it was sort of like playing in a mini map on a video game and then popping up to the full full scale stuff yeah it's like uh whenever i play uh, fallout or any of these other games where it's like oh i have my my walk around mode and then all of a sudden combat mode hits yeah and we only care about this room everything's bigger scale a lot more detail now you gotta tackle whatever's going on Great idea and man they had to save you parts and time to that kind of idea which you know it depends on how much time you have uh, but none of us have unlimited. So that that's really nice. You're able to get a lot done and then blow it up. That's cool. Yeah. And that's actually what started me. So like you said, time is, you know, is valuable and precious. So I didn't think I'd actually be able to actually make a big dungeon out of Lego. But when the Heroica stuff came out, I felt like I could build a room or two. And then I could actually have the rest of the dungeon as at the Heroica scale. And I felt, you know, that would be OK. And I've since gone on and built, you know, other dungeons and stuff. Yeah, I definitely look at it for, um, I want to go use it from a travel edition version. Because a couple that I've ran at Origins a couple years ago, I'm flying now instead of driving. So I'm using an entire carry-on to carry my dungeon with me out to uh, Origins. And then that's, it's a kind of a pain to travel with. Um, okay. I I do, is there anything else to talk about BrickQuest? Because I, I really want to make time for mobile frame zero. Yeah, so I, um... I think BrickQuest is pretty good. Um, I, there's not a whole lot of availability out there. I'd like to see more. That's why I was so excited when I found other people that knew about it. That's great. Yeah, definitely. So if we get some more interest, maybe there'd be more of it out there in the wild and people could start playing it together. Yep. Yeah, you're going to respark my interest and make me uh, actually do something with it next year. Yes. Yes. And awesome. I have one last question on BrickQuest. You know, I have a Lego store near me, so I'm, I'm very lucky that I can go to that back wall, right? Mm-hmm. But that back wall sure doesn't have everything that is available from Lego. Now, you mentioned, you know, and we'll have a link in the description about buying after, you know, market from BrickLink. Is there the ability to order from Lego? And does BrickQuest, can people put together like, oh, here's all the parts to make 50 tiles? And you're able to just submit that for a delivery? There are ways that you can purchase from Lego. It's called Bits and Pieces. It comes up and down. Lego parts go in and out of uh, print, and it depends on what they have on stock and that kind of thing. However, no one has put together a full set of, like, here's a room, something that you can use to build a room or something like that. You'd have to do that on your own. Well, awesome. Tell me about Mobile Frame Zero, because it has mechs in it, and I'm a giant 
giant mech nerd. Uh, for the folks at home who maybe haven't listened to some of our past episodes, I happen to own half of a virtual reality set from the old virtual world Battletech pods. I love Battletech. So the fact that there's a Lego mech game, please and thank you. I love this. I love this idea. So tell me all about it. So I think so. Uh, Mobile Frame Zero originally started out named Mechaton. It was written by Vincent, uh, defensive Vincent Baker. Vincent Baker has written a lot of, again, those story games that I mentioned earlier. Whenever his son was younger, he wanted to play with his kid and made this Lego mech game. I think the original version just had, you know, the mech rules and all of that. Then Joshua A.C. Newman, I think, kickstarted and made Mobile Frame Zero. It's the same basic rules, okay. but he added a, a whole world to it. He added a whole backstory. Oh, so there's awesome. all this information Ooh. about different factions and stories within all of that. Yes. Is, maybe not quite to Battletech clans and houses, but still there's an immersive world where you can get into some story and there's some emblems and that kind of thing. Yes. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Okay. So yep. so talk to me about these mechs. Are they yeah. bipedal? Are they spider-like? Are they more like tanks? Yes, all of that. Oh, um, yes. Okay. Yeah. That was the right answer. So basically, if you can imagine it, uh, so it takes a uh, it takes talent with Lego to build small things. It's usually called micro builds. So you can build a small building that might be four inches tall, and you have to creatively use parts in order to get that to fit. Mm. Whenever you build a mech, people have particular pieces like the wrench piece is particularly good, which is something that normally a mini a Lego minifigure would hold in its hand. Well, for the mechs, they'll use that as the hand. Oh, so that's the gripper part. Yes, that's awesome. Um, then they they'll also tend to use something like that maybe as a joint because it's easy for that to twist around a stud um, and that kind of thing. I know for my part, I'm not created enough really to build mechs like that. But there's lots of people with pictures and plans out on the net. So Mobile Frame Zero, if you Google it and go to the website, they have. Uh, I think it's free to download the 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 rules awesome. in PDF form. The, a printed book I think is thirty. Yeah, doable. Very doable. Uh Um, There's a number of instructions in it, like hand drawing kind of things. Nice. um, Where they show you how to build, put pieces together. Like a a sample mech. Like, hey, so you're not completely on your own here. Here is a basic mech build off of parts that we think are going to be readily available to you. Yep. Yeah. Once you kind of get an idea about what parts you need to build things, you can then go to BrickLink and purchase those. And they'll be inexpensive in general. And people will theme them by color. These are very generic pieces, whereas the pieces we were talking about before, if you want to get a griffin or something like that that's out of print, that's going to be expensive for BrickQuest. Right. Buying a headlamp or something like that, it's going to be inexpensive usually uh, through BrickLink for the mechs. And and Uh, just so I get a sense, the – Whenever you're doing Mobile Frame Zero, you're kind of like custom building your own mech, and then you use whatever you've constructed as justification for the stats of the mech whenever you go and play with it. Is that is that how it works? Yes. So the basic rules are basically you decide what kind of systems your mech will have. You have a certain – I think you're limited to four or five systems – and you get each of those systems is represented by a colored die. You get two generic white dies for just having a mech, mm. and then they're wild. And I believe red is for attack, green is for movement, yellow is for shield. No, blue is for shields, yellow is for spotting. 
So this is kind of like back what Ryan was talking about with customizing his die for the brick quest that he was running. He had different colors for uh, mobile frame zero. They've already kind of co-opted that in saying, Hey, we have different colors of die for different systems, different actions you might want to take. But they're all D sixes. They're all straight D sixes, but yes, yes. So the different colors correspond to different systems on your mech. And then they also have the, the rules get more complicated in that, you know, if you have long range weapons versus short hand to hand weapons, you know, they, they might go up in size. So it might be a D eight. Oh. Or if you only have a hand weapon, maybe you get an extra uh, die in movement to help you get up there to battle hand to hand. That makes sense. Yeah, you're not lugging yep. around a giant gun. You've just got right. your 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 mechy fists. Yep. I first played it with some non Lego friends, and we got together and had an all day, you know, mechaton fight. <laughs> we were not all Lego people. And there's actually so there's a, a great website for Mobile Frame Zero. There's a I think they call it Mobile Frame Zero Hangar, which is just pictures. There's a whole Flickr group of people who are building mechs and sharing their designs and showing this is what my army looks like and all of that. A lot of the Mobile Frame Zero plans call themselves mofos. Yes. Right? Um, (laughs) Because they're Mobile Frame Zero. That's right. That's what it shortens to. So I've played this um, with non-Lego friends, and we built really goofy mechs. I played this with Lego people who built fantastic mechs. The Lego people in general are a little reluctant to take pieces off, right? They're like, this is my mock, and I'll remove the dice and we'll spin the <laughs> dice, but my beautiful gun's going to stay on my guy, right? Um, I've also played this with kids, and building your frames might take three or four hours, yeah. depending on how much care you put into it, yeah. uh, you know, and you have the, the parts. So the, the most successful way we did it was we started out with two sessions. The first session, you had some parts, people put things together, you built from it. And then the second session, the people who had a frame that they'd built in the first session or anyone who had already built one that came in, we would then set it up. Right. Um, that makes sense. That makes sense. So that way people aren't waiting around for others to make their frames when they're ready to play now. That's right. And so we had, uh, whenever I ran it, we had two tables. One was mostly uh, kids who had come in and built their mechs. And then we had a table of adults. So we kind of separated it that way because the adults were going to be more cutthroat. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the kids were, you know, I have my snake mech that's moving around the table. That kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> snake mech. Oh, man, I love it. Uh-huh. Ryan, have you ever messed around with Mobile Frame Zero or, or, or any of these uh, these games? I've not heard of Mobile Frame Zero at all, actually. It's, this is actually kind of interesting. I've not heard of that one. The Battle Mech one I've, I have played is uh, called Brick Mech. It's another one of Peter's creations. He had a, a similar concept of if you blow an arm off, you can go over and pick it up and attach it to your mech, and then you get the weapon. Oh, my gosh. Like on Battlefield Salvage? Yes. Yeah. He's like, oh, that's now yours. Yes. It's like, it's better than mine. Oh, I'm going to pop my and stick yours on. That's pretty sweet. Oh, man, I would get so mad. I would get so mad in that game because I know I'd show up with the coolest gun and it'd pop off immediately and I'd just be mad that I couldn't put it back on my mech. And by the way, I have fallen into the hole of battle mech images from Google. It is amazing what people build and the creativity and the beauty of what they put together. It is, I tell you what, it adds a whole other dimension to gaming. You know what I mean? It is art. It is literally art. Yeah. Yeah. There was a yeah. series, a Lego series that what uh, came out four or five years ago called Mixels. And they were like a preschool kind of set, but they were little four or $5 bags 
of these little goofy cartoon monster kind of things, mm. but they made great mechs. So that's what we did is we bought like, you know, 20 or 30 of these little things and then had people big nut build mechs out of now, them. Were you going into the, into the toy store to get this or did you do it online? Because I got to I, I almost want to see the cashier's face when you're like, I need like 20 of these things for like little kids. Yeah. What are you doing with this? Oh, I'm going to make like war mechs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So actually, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, I guess I have no shame at the toy stores because I go in and I buy Lego all the time and, you know, feel up the little collectible minifig stuff. And and, yeah. you know, the people at my local Lego store, they know me by name and, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's true of most Lego fans. So that we should actually put a disclaimer talking about all of this because Lego can be a very expensive hobby and it can be a real time suck. So, yeah, sure. Oh, yes. Sure. And, and but when you're in it, you're going to be in a, in a community of like minded engineering type folks that just love building things and talking about what they're building and want to see what you're building and being creative together. Yeah, actually, Lego fans in general are just like everyone else. They're just like gamers. Honestly, there's a diverse set of people. There are people who build. Um, who are engineering, like you said, I know people who are engineers who build like 20 foot cranes and that kind of stuff. I know people who are very artistic and they build mosaic paintings. Um, I know a lot of people who build uh, cityscapes and uh, also wow. it's very, very diverse. That's cool. That's cool. Just like, you know, gamers are essentially role playing gamers are essentially people who sit around and, you know, play make believe all day. Right. And Lego <laughs> fans are people who basically sit around and play with children's toys all day. So and I and I will know from talking with uh, Ryan in the past, one of the things either he's done or he's played or maybe Ryan expand on this is because Space Hulk. I think we talked about how that game's gone. That yeah. game was out of print. And to actually get Space Hulk was going to cost you $1,000 or whatever. And people recreated the game in Lego so they could keep playing. Just like uh, Blood Bowl, I think, is one that was also in that same oh, vein. Yeah. Ryan, am I, am I barking up the right tree? Did we talk about that? Uh, we, we may have actually played it because I've actually run Space Hulk with my BrickQuest boards because I made their own module. Okay. So I can actually create, pop them together and create the rooms. And for Space Hulk, it is a 40k universe um, space marines going into this Hulk and trying to kill gene stealers. So for the space marines, I'll use the Star Wars stormtrooper stormtroopers. Yes. The space marines has builds my squads and see if different you know um, stormtroopers like you know the standard ones or Darth Vader's the lieutenant or you know whatever. Yeah. And then you have different different aliens or different Lego pieces. Uh, specifically, I went into Toys R Us a couple of years ago and bought. A whole bunch of the Toy Story little green alien, the LGM guy. So I have like nine of them to use as my aliens. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I've, I've so, seen Blood Bowl. I've seen Wiz War. I've actually played Wiz War. And, and folks, these are all these are all games where there's minis and an objective, and a lot of these games you just can't get anymore. Like they're so far out of print, and like Rich said, they're going to be hundreds of dollars if not more to get these games so it's it's kind of amazing that the lego community has been like well we have minis and we have terrain and we can make all this stuff and here are the rules to have fun and basically recreate these games you just can't get anymore oh definitely yeah and i think uh, space hulk they come reprinted every now and then yeah, but that's the thing is you know and then and, and who knows you could go 
five years, 10 years. I don't know. I think Space Hulk was out when I was a kid in the 80s. And, um, you know, I think their last reprint was a couple years ago. But again, getting a hold of it sometimes is really hard. And it's amazing how people have just been creative with Legos. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's definitely been fun. Uh, you get once you get enough Lego to amass, which you've probably spent a lot of money anyway. But then you can actually start building all kinds of things with it and uh, be creative and oh, I can do that or that's kind of neat or I can tweak that and start becoming getting your little uh, game designer out and go. Let's make this a little better. We have something to start with. Let's make it a little better. And I know going back from the beginning, that's what the Lego Legos Lego sets were. Was here's toys, here's your base, use them to build a better game. Be creative. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's that, it's that classic 1980s advertisement where it was a little girl and she had just built like a Lego house out of a, just a mishmash of bricks. And you could tell that she's incredibly proud of the thing that she created. And that's the whole point is just get in there and make something and just be proud of it. Cause you, you were the one that made that thing. Definitely. Yep. That's exactly. Yeah. My problem is I hate breaking kids up. I have such a problem doing that. I don't know why, but I hate breaking up kits. I, I'd like all my pieces to stay together in their little bag or in their little box after I'm done. Oh yeah, yeah. So, all so, right. Well, for so for guys like Rich, what's your advice? Like, how do you how do you get to play these games, but then also have Rich's need to separate? So I kind of do the same thing. I have my own. I have my sets that are kind of off to the side, but I would suggest. So we have one of our uh, Lug members, our Lego group me- me members, who pretty much doesn't buy sets anymore. He only buys things off of BrickLink. And if you buy it and it's not a set, then there's no reason to keep That's it. That's right. Ah. I fooled my brain. Ah, yeah. yes. Yeah. Because you can totally go in there and be like, I need a bucket of Legos, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, Other good places to buy Lego that are kind of random. There's a little secondhand toy shop that's here in in Austin, Texas, that you can go in and buy Lego by the Ziploc bag or by, you know, in bulk, you know, whenever kids grow up, parents get rid of their Lego. Yeah. And where does it go? It goes on Craigslist or it goes to these little yeah. re- resale shops and you'll want to wash it. <laughs> so there's yeah. instructions on the internet about how to make sure that you wash it well. Yeah. Well, and these are ABS plastic, right? So, I mean, it's not like they're flimsy, so you, that's right. you can wash them thoroughly, but you got to do it in a way that's chemically safe for the plastic. Yeah, you definitely want to wash it because God knows what little child was eating on that. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to buy a big bag of Legos and then suddenly have pink eye for a month. <laughs> yeah, I've seen disinfect. that happen. Oh, gross. Yeah, okay. Yeah, disinfect, disinfect, disinfect. <laughs> We're not joking. This is kind of like, yeah, please, please wash. Wash well. Yeah. You'll, you'll be sad otherwise. Yeah. That's a that's a funky hazard. I wouldn't have even guessed until we got to this part of the conversation. It's like I bet some of those bricks are gross. <laughs> oh yeah, they are. Well, I guess with that said, Ryan, dude, thanks a ton for coming back, man. It's it's always a pleasure having you around. Oh, definitely. It's, um, have a great time. I always like coming back and uh, always enjoy it. And you know, thanks for having me. And uh, don't be afraid to uh, boldly go where no brick has gone before. That's right. Oh, good, good. And Steven, dude, thanks a ton for reaching out to us and being on this show. You've, you've given us so much. And I know just because of the kinds of nerds we are, we're going to run into each other at Gen Con. We might play some true dungeon together. We might end up with some crazy stories together. Uh, I definitely, I'm so happy that you're 
part of the high shelf gaming group now and uh and that you're able to come on and share this with us and i hope that we've got some adventures together coming uh, later on this year well thank you so much i really appreciate you uh, uh having me on the show and thank you so much for having a show about lego gaming i mean getting the word out there is important to me so i think that's awesome i'm glad that both of you came on and, and shared your passion you guys are you guys are awesome uh with all that said everyone at home uh, we're gonna go ahead and shut it down here as always have fun and play well may all your roles be crit thanks for listening these episodes are produced by me, David Gillespie. Our music is provided by Taylor Guillory, and our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. If you'd like to leave us some feedback, please do so on Twitter at High Shelf Gaming or join our Facebook group, High Shelf Gaming Podcast. If you like what you hear and you think others would benefit from this, please leave a review on iTunes and that'll help people find us.